0: Bobby Bonner was born in Brackettville, Texas, study phys ed at Texas A&M, was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles in the third round of the 76 draft, and he trusted Jesus as his Savior while he was playing for them in 1978. Now, after he retired from the game in 1984, Bobby followed the call of God on his life, went through Pastor George Grace's North Star Bible Institute in Rochester, which is basically what our Living Faith Bible Institute is patterned after. I mean, we just patterned it after that and kind of took what they did and, you know, adapted some things over time. And in 1989, he moved his wife, Becky, and their four daughters to Zambia, Africa, to start serving as missionaries. And when they arrived at the Kafula fuda Baptist Mission in central Zambia— Then he inherited 16 existing churches. During their first year there, Bobby helped to reestablish those churches in addition to starting new ones. The Zambian North Star Bible Institute was founded out of his desire to train and to, to, to teach Zambians to pastor their own people. So during that period of time, God used him to establish over 100 churches as well as training the pastors, the men, to lead those churches. Now, his health kept him from going back to Africa. Uh, but, you know, he's prayed that God would still use him. And uh, the vision and the desire that he has to continue to reach Africans. And so International Africa Missions I Am uh, was birthed as an answer to that prayer. Uh, Bobby also serves as associate pastor at First Bible Baptist Church here in Blue Springs. And he and his wife, Becky, reside here with their 10 beautiful grandchildren. And so, Bobby, this Sunday, being our Freedom Sunday, and uh, just because of the influence that you have had, all you have done, um, man, we've got to say thank you. Amen. And this is a feeble attempt but it's an attempt. I have a plaque for you, oh, wow. which is our Beacon of the Gospel Award. Mm. It says, Bobby and Becky Bonner, by the members of Harvest Baptist Church, Blue Springs, July 4th, 2021. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse
1: 2.
0: So I want you to take that. Now, uh, the other thing... That, that I've got to give you, and I know you've got a bajillion Bibles. This is one with your name inscribed on it. This is called a Canterbury. wow, Canterbury Bible, oh reference Bible. I mean, these are it, it, this is gourmet Bible. And, uh, I like it. <laughs> even if you just, you know, put it on display and don't really use it. Um, I want to give you that also. Thank you, so um, Talk is cheap. So we do have an honorarium. I will have an honorarium for you being here today. I just didn't get the PO turned in. And, and, uh, you know, Sean said, yeah, right. But no, we will. We're going to have an honorarium for you being here today, and Delana, I want you to come up. We're going to give you some flowers. These were intended for Becky. She, at the last, minute, last went minute, went to visit right? kids and grandkids. I, grandkids. I, I believe, believe me, we understand that. Yeah, we didn't know about that. So, oh, so yeah. that well, I know it's kind <laughs> of a surprise, it, isn't it? That? It's kind yeah, of a yeah, surprise. Yeah, and so, uh, you can uh, give those to her and say they're from you. No, I won't. Do that. <laughs> You can take a picture and send her or whatever, and, uh, uh, you know, we love you, we're praying for you, we, we're thankful for the investment you made, and uh, praise the Lord. And just, just to close the loop so that you understand the work he started, he did his work so well, it's totally been turned over to nationals and 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 they are the ones we are working with directly in, in anything we can do in Zambia in the future Amen. praise the lord love you guys thank you love Adam. you god bless you church thank you. thank you so when we started you know this project to, to to take on this thing and and do our thing to reach the uttermost and the least reached um, at that time my Best friend from high school was Africa field director for Mana Worldwide, Rick Friesen. He t- planted a church, started a church uh, in Raymore, and but he was Africa field director at the time, and so we worked through them and partnered with them to actually buy the land, maybe that the church or school or something is on. We we went halvesies on that together. Uh, we uh, you know kind of funded the feeding center to get going. And uh, so, MANA has been a key thing in what we were able to do over there. And it it, it should be amazing to you that for twenty eight dollars a month, uh, three hundred and sixty four dollars a year, whatever it is, we can completely you can completely adopt a child. And infrastructure is not such that we can give you a, you know pair you up with an exact student. Uh, but we we can show you pictures, and uh, and it's and it's all legit, and you know it's amazing we can do that, but it's because we're working through them, and not other. Uh, types of uh, organizations that take take a whole bunch of money off the top and so I praise the Lord for Mana Worldwide and uh, I want to introduce to you Gary Phillips so Gary you be coming on up he is the current Africa field director for Mana Worldwide 28 years he spent as a missionary in the Philippines Graduate of Baptist Bible College in Springfield, has a master's degree in church ministries, founded Baptist College of Leadership in the, uh, in the Philippines, founded Faith Baptist Church, uh, Novaliches, Manila. That's close. That's close enough. <laughs> Husband to a wife of 42 years, Jeannie, who is here with him. Why don't you go ahead and stand so they can see you also? Father of three children and, and uh, grandfather to four, at least uh, last count I'd heard. So come and preach to us, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you very much. What a privilege it is to be here this morning. And um, I, I just, just want to say that um, those of you who are planning to go on mission trips with Tom... Bring your own food. <laughs> he will share coffee, um, but expect some really bad road trips—seventeen <laughs> plus hours in the back of a Toyota little truck. On the and I've been on some really bad roads. I grew up in the Philippines and then spent 28 years as a missionary and and they don't know how to build roads either, but Zambia doesn't know how worser. (laughs) Um, And, uh, man, what a a trip. But in all all honesty, you know, we talked to each other on the phone, and we had met briefly when I was up here, actually with uh, Brother Friesen in his conference, and uh, we had coffee together one Sunday afternoon, and was trying to get this trip going, and, uh, and, but that was it. So I'm, I'm sitting there going, I'm going to spend two weeks with this guy. I don't know anything. I don't know where we're going to be sleeping. I don't know if I'm going to be in the same room with him, whether he snores or not, the whole thing. And um, so I was, I was really concerned, um, and some of those concerns were valid, um, but not all of them. And uh, we had a great time, actually. We called it the Tom and Gary trip. And uh, a lot of it was cartoonish. But, um, but we had a great time. And I, and I want to say on behalf of Manor Worldwide, thank you as well for your generosity. Um, man, you know, some, sometimes pastors will say, well, why can't I just go direct? And you can but manna kind of fills a role. One, all of us who are directors, um, we, we have a lot of experience uh, as missionaries and doing what we do, um, and so we kind of help the churches oversee the ministry and oversee and, and deal with the financial aspect of it, because sometimes transferring money on a monthly basis is not the easiest thing in the world to do, uh, and just Bring in accountability, because at MANA, we want to make sure that God's money is taken care of as best as possible, and uh, one of the things that makes MANA unique is in 20 years of being in operation, we have never spent more than 10% on overhead, and the average nonprofit is around 55%. So um, we work hard at that uh, and make sure that we try to spend God's money. One thing I appreciate about Bruce, who is our CEO and, and right now president till the end of the year, and then his son's taking over, but he is really good. I will never sell anything to Bruce. Because if you sell something to Bruce, you automatically know you have lost. He will get the better end of the deal every time. So, and that's a great thing when it comes to uh, purchasing property and uh, and doing things, especially on foreign fields, and he's very, very good at it. So I have a brief time with you, and I, and I want to be brief, but I, I want to share with you something from my heart. I was reading scripture, and I found this in Deuteronomy chapter 15, and it and it just kind of really hit me, and I had read it before many, many times through uh, through my life, but it just never really st- st- struck me as it did this time. Uh, and even this week, I saw something new out of this passage, and, and I, I, we're going to just briefly hit that and then get to the main point here. But this is the law, and I recognize we're no longer under law, and I'm glad we're not. I'm glad that we're under grace, but you do realize that grace living is much more difficult than law living. Because grace living goes beyond the law. Christ says, I've not come to destroy the law, I've come to fulfill the law. And and, and he talks about it on the Sermon on the Mount and he, and he talks about, you know, he talks about that passage about adultery, and he says, You think it's okay if you've not actually committed adultery, but I say to you, if you look upon a woman and lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart. So in every aspect, he he takes it further, and so that's grace living. So we don't just reject the law and say, well, that's not for us. There's a lot of really good things to live by in the law. And, And not only that, but we see God. We see his attitude, and especially here, we see God's heart or God's attitude toward the poor. And the fact that he made Uh, He made things for the poor. He made sure that they were going to be taken care of in His economy. By the way, God's economy is always the best economy. It's an economy of generosity. It's an unselfish economy. It's an economy that says, I'm laboring, I'm working my job on Monday or Tuesday this week. For others, not for myself. That's a different attitude to take, isn't it? And so he is making a way for the poor of his people, the nation of Israel, to be taken care of. Let's just read a little bit and then we'll get to the passage. Verse one, at the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. In other words, there's going to be a forgiveness of the debt every seven years. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. And I don't know why, but as I was studying again this week, I that I, I don't remember ever seeing that. It's called the Lord's release. By the way, that's what salvation is called. The Lord's release. When you got saved, God released you from your debt to himself. The price was very high. It was the death and burial, the humiliation of himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we have a picture here in the law of the cross the lord's release it says in verse 3 of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again but that which is thine with thy brother thine hand shall release save when there shall be no poor among you i i again i found that very interesting so he was saying that it's possible it's possible And there will be a time when there will be no more poor among us. He says, For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Now, folks, I love celebrating the 4th of July. We celebrated it in the Philippines. We often had our missionary friends there, and we celebrated and decorated it up. And the reason I I say that is because... I'm a firm believer, this is the greatest nation ever. Now, we're in a lot of trouble, and that's for another time for another person to talk about to you. But God has greatly blessed us. And all you need to do To really figure that out is to take a mission trip anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be a fourth world nation or a third world nation. It could be even a first world nation. And you go there and you will quickly figure out you live in the greatest nation in the world. My kids came home after a couple of years of being on the mission field. And they were seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. My son walked into a grocery store one time, and they had a, a big display of Coke. They stacked these two-liter Cokes, uh, I mean, you know, big, high, and all through the aisle. And he looked at that, and he goes, Man, Coke must be on in season. <laughs> now, the reason he said that was because he had never seen a product with that many in one place. Because in the Philippines, they never had that. They never stocked it like that. They never, you didn't have, we, we, when we would come, we would never bring the kids for the first two or three months, we would never bring them to store, especially the cereal aisle. We had two choices and both of them tasted like cardboard. And the milk was powdered milk. So I quit drinking. I don't drink milk to this day. I'm just saying that in many, many ways, God has richly blessed us. And he says, God's going to greatly bless you. He says, verse 5, Only if thou carefully hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I commanded thee. There is a point here. He said, I'm going to bless you, but you've got to do something too. You've got to listen and obey me and what I have to say to you. For the Lord thy God... Blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not be shalt not borrow, and thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. And then, verse seven: If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is uh, God's attitude towards the poor is a willing heart, a willing heart. God's provision is not limited to the brethren only, but the brethren are first. And we find that even this in the New Testament. And the reason for that is because God understands that our love for each other is a testimony and a witness to the world that does not understand love. And one of the things that attracts people to Christianity is the way Christians are to treat each other. And I say it that way because oftentimes that's not the case. We are known sometimes as the army that shoots its wounded. And that's not the testimony that God wants for us. So he says, look, if you've got someone who is poor, you need to have a willing heart. Now, a willing heart starts right there. It starts in the heart and it says, look, I don't know anybody poor, but if someone were to come up and knock on my door that needs something, I'm going to be willing to to provide that if I can. And I just want to say to you, obviously there are a lot of people in this church who have a willing heart to give, because I see it every month in your generosity towards Glad Tiding School and the ministry in Zambia. And I was able, with my own eyes, to see the product of your generosity. But there's a lot of things we cannot see. We don't know until we get to heaven the eternal impact that 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 is there because of your generosity, your willing heart to give. And you know, folks, it doesn't matter how much you're giving. That's not the point. It never is the point in God's economy. The point is, first of all, how much is left over, right? And our heart, because some people give, and we do, we give all the time unwillingly. Every time you pay a bill, the electric bill, the gas bill, when you go to the gas tank, I'm sure when you put your credit card in to fill up your, your car, you don't say to, to, to the gas station, Thank you so much for allowing me the privilege of giving you this money. You don't say, honey, I get to go to the store today and buy groceries. Isn't this fun? <laughs> but when it comes to God and to God's work, when it comes to helping people, that is exactly the attitude that we ought to have. What does it say? What does Paul say? Hilarious giving. Right? Right? I often say that one of the best songs for a wedding and offering time is the fight is on, O Christian Brother. <laughs> a willing heart. A willing heart. Giving, giving to the poor and the opportunity of giving is, is a claim that goes against selfishness. It helps us to live unselfishly. Uh, it helps us to think about others and to express our love, even for those that most of us will never meet. I, I have, this is my second trip to Africa, and I love African children. They are so much fun. And they, they, You just take a picture and show them their picture, and they're, they're just as happy as could be. And we had those kids all over us. They, I don't know how it happened, but they started wanting to shake my hand. And we had a, I had about 54-year-olds wanting to shake my hand. I felt like a superstar. It was great. And they never asked for my signature, but that's okay. Just thinking about others, a willing heart. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power power, they were willing of themselves. The second thing that I see here is also an open hand. And he says it uh, in verse 7. He says, You shall not harden your heart, nor shut thine hand. Now, automatically, when I do this, what do you think? I'm ready to fight. Now, there is a time for fighting, right? We are in a war. We're in a battle. But when it comes to treating the poor and treating one another, this is the hand that God wants to see. And by the way, this is the hand that we see from God. God's generous, open hand to us. And all he's saying is, you need to reflect me. My relationship with you is an open hand. You need to reflect that with each other. Look at verse 8. He says, But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. There's the heart again. Saying the seventh year, the the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy brother, and thou givest him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Now here's here's what he's thinking. He knows us. This is the sixth year, and your and your neighbor comes and says, "Man, I need I need a thousand bucks," and you're thinking, "Hang on a minute." I know what the the, the release year is. That's about nine months away. And there is no way you're going to pay me back before then. And that means this money is gone. And God says, that's a wicked thought. And you should not have it. The year of release should never be in your mind when it comes to giving to the poor. ...to what they, what they need. You open your hand. You don't have a wicked, uh, wicked thought. An open hand shows kindness, generosity, vulnerability, willingness. It is generosity is a hallmark of a believer who is true to the calling of God. Generosity is usually seen from those who really don't have it to give... As a missionary, I've been a missionary for over 30 years now, and Mana doesn't pay me anything. I, I still get support. That's one of the ways that we keep the overhead down. None of our directors, including Bruce, who is the founder and CEO, Mana doesn't pay him anything. And, and and so I know because I've seen it. Most probably 85 percent of the money that I've received through my lifetime for support as a missionary has come from people on fixed incomes. It's not the rich. Now I have some rich friends who have blessed me. But the monthly month after month month support from the churches, those churches, that money that they receive, they receive it from people who are on fixed income. They really don't have it. But they trust God and they love God and they love missionaries and they love what God's doing and they're investing in that and they're sacrificing, really, truly sacrificing. By the way, giving up a Starbucks coffee is not sacrificing. (laughs) It's a good idea, but it's not sacrificing. Generosity can be expressed to strangers. Heart and a hand are to be alike, open to the cry of distress. The giving is to be liberal, ungrudging, and disinterested. In other words, it's gone. I'm going to give it. And then finally, a determined mind. Look at verse 11 or verse 10. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy work. I can't imagine anyone saying with a raised hand this morning, I don't want God's blessing. I don't care about it. I don't want it. And he's giving you the formula right here. You want God's blessing? You want my blessing? Be like me. Open your heart. Open your hand. Give to those who are in need. Then verse 11, he says, For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother to thy poor and to thy needy in thy land. Why do you say determine mine? Because folks we're not talking about it just today. You know the work that, and I thank you for recognizing a missionary today. I saw, it was a it was one of the highlights of my ministry to speak to those 42 African pastors. I I, I didn't have anything for them. It, it, it was a humbling experience. The picture, there was one picture of Tom and a pastor. Pastor's the church that he was saved in. He's in his 70s now. His own ministry's been in that same church. Faithful ministry. That didn't, Happened overnight. That happened over time. Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday after Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Eating with them and spending time with them and teaching them and studying with them and going out with them and, and over a lifetime of not just that missionary, not your just Brother Bonner, but other missionaries as well. And now they are in good hands. I met some fantastic servants of God in Zambia. Very, very impressed. They'll always be with us. The ministry will always be here until we are called away. Suffering will never be over. Over 2 billion children and over 50% of them in deep, abject poverty. See, when we were generous, our own souls are enriched and enlarged. The liberal man is loved and trusted, and God's blessing is upon him. And that's what I want for you and your family and your church. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this church and the great service that we've had today. Thank you for a free country where we can do exactly what we're doing here because there are places in our world where that cannot happen so we're grateful. And God, we ask you, forgive us for taking it for granted and not taking advantage of the freedom that you've given us. Thank you for the freedom in Christ. Thank you that we are free from our sins and the result of our sins because of what Christ did on the cross and the work that you've done in our hearts. And if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that They don't feel that freedom and they know that they are not in freedom. They're still in bondage to Satan and sin in their own flesh. I pray, God, that today would be their day to be free. Truly, indeed, free. And help us to have a heart that's generous and willing to help and give and an open hand and a determined mind. Until you come, take us home. In Christ's name I pray.